Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Double Feature Versus. I am Black Cinephile. I am AKA Brad. That is AKA Brad. Before we get started, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what uh, topic ideas you might have for us in the future. And uh, let's get into it, man. We got a good one today, man. We got a George Lucas. We got a produced by George Lucas uh, duo here. Um, I got to say, man, one of these films, uh, I, I know why it's a classic. I can see why it holds up. It's very lovely. The other one. Don't know why it exists, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, you know, one's getting a sequel as a TV series on Disney Plus, and one isn't even available on Disney Plus as a Lucasfilms movie. <laughs> I got it, dude. I looked up this. I looked up this movie because I'm not going to reveal which one yet. Uh, you got, people can use their imagination. I looked up this film on Disney Plus. I said, okay, so this this should be on here. No, mm-hmm. it's not on here. Oh, it's right here. Yeah. Okay. And then I watched it. And then afterwards, I, I go, I realize why that's not on Disney+. Plus. Right. <laughs> I realize why the, the, uh, they want to detach themselves from that. Right. And, uh, yeah, so we're taking a look at two movies today, Howard the Duck and Willow. Uh, both of these were set to be big franchises, uh to coincide with Lucasfilms. Uh, Howard the Duck was actually one of the few Marvel properties to actually leave Marvel at the time, and it was picked up mm. by Lucasfilms. And with Willow, it was supposed to stand up and be like the second Star Wars for Lucasfilms in terms of this giant fantasy world. And I think they kind of missed the mark on both of them <laughs> a little bit. I don't think I think we're going to talk about it, but I think Willow was very token-esque and I think it worked to its favor. I don't think that was a I don't think that was a downside to the movie. Right. That's what you think about. That's that's what you mean by missing the mark. Well, I mean, missing the mark is in being like the next Star Wars. Like they were literally pinning it up and being like, yeah, Willow is going to be like the next Star Wars where we're going to have another trilogy and it's going to be this huge thing. And it nothing compares to Star Wars. Like they were already trying to shoot, you know, the smallest target in a dark room in order to hit that mark again. That's disappointing because I, I, I would have liked to see a whole Willow saga. I mean, we're getting it finally with the TV series coming to Disney Plus soon. So, yeah, yeah I know, man, but that that's you know, <laughs> that's different. I, Far removed is that now? Where it's like, hey, remember you remember this? Hey, We're bringing you, this back. You remember? But uh, yeah, so between these two movies, uh, I don't know how. How did you want to start with this one? You know, I feel like um, when when you have torture and pleasure at, at your hand and your disposal, on which one you want to go with first? I'd rather go through the torture to get to the pleasure. So let's okay. uh. Let's, uh Let's just go with old Howie first. Okay. I'll let you let take me, this one over. Yeah, I, I, yeah. please let me take this over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, Howie the Duck. We got this uh, 1986 directed by Willard uh, Yuck. I think that's his name. So, basically, Howard is a duck who, 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 in the beginning, he exists in his own universe with other ducks. Um, you know, hence the word universe. It's a universe full of walking, talking ducks, walking around like humans. In, in, in their own society. Uh, 
a science experiment goes wrong and transports Howard from his universe to our universe because science, folks. Uh, so <laughs> Howard ends up in our universe. Uh, along the way, Howard finds a um, a rock singer uh, by the name of uh, Beverly who becomes his friend. It kind of sort of love interest too, uh, who is who is trying to help him get back home. He's in a strange land. Everyone that looks at him is freaked out because it's literally a walking, talking duck that smokes and has zingers. And it kind of is just a regular person, but just a duck. Um, so he's trying to figure out how to get home. Beverly's friend, Phil, played by Tim Robbins. I love Tim Robbins. Uh, he's very obsessed with uh, trying to figure out what Howard is, trying to get rich off Howard's existence. Um, and he kind of has the wrong motivations uh, to, to figure out how to get him back home because, like I say, he just wants to get rich. On top of that, we have, uh, I want to say, is it, is it the government that that's after him? Uh, uh, so it is, yes, later on it is the like FBI government you know, of this uh, world that is going after him because they see him as a threat. Because he's from another world, so they want to capture him, dissect him, and like learn about him and everything like that. Uh, meanwhile, he just wants to get back home. <laughs> okay, right, right. Uh, so that's the bare bones plot of Howie the Duck. So, so look, man, in the beginning, I kind of knew how goofy this movie was going to be. So I, I was on its wavelength. All right, all right. We got a duck sitting down watching duck TV mm-hmm. with a duck playboy. I'm with it. I, I I understand it's 80s. I'll I'll, I'll stick with it. When he, when he got transported, I was like, okay, I'm still with it, you know. And it I don't know, man. It's like somewhere along the line, I was like, this movie is dumb as hell. <laughs> like it wasn't like it wasn't a funny dumb to me because I at first I was like saying, okay, all right, let's see what happens. This probably will get a little funnier, a little more insane, but. It became more insane for the wrong reasons. And I was like, wow, I can't. I, I mean, I kind of laughed when Tim Robbins showed up because I liked his manic energy. But mm-hmm. even then, I was like, man, what the? What does Brad have me watching, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, as soon as I put this on the list, I, I kind of expected you to go, yeah, we're not watching that one. And you were just like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, oh, oh, you don't know. Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> Listen, I'm willing to go to certain places, all right? Like, you know, I even with the Tenacious D movie, I had my reservations, but I'm like, you know what? This means something to Brad. I'll watch it. You know, like, I, I'm willing to go certain places, but don't look surprised when I complain about the places you took me to. Oh, yeah. I, I Heavens, no. Uh, I absolutely love it. But, uh, yeah, with this movie, it is a roller coaster of, an, you know, horrible because every time you think okay this this might be going somewhere it doesn't at all you know because we have the whole thing with uh the cherry bomb uh band where you know uh what's her name beverly is a part of it where she Mm -hmm. kind of is one of the lead singers of this band and you know howard meets up with her and goes to like the bar where she's playing and everything and he meets the manager and they have what i can only assume was the worst fight that somebody had to describe ever oh man (laughs) oh that 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 was that was horrific oh it (laughs) It went from like being this, you know, 
oh my god i can tell they were trying to go for like oh look at howard he's such a badass but it, it was so bad that it was funny and then it became so funny that it became just cringy to watch and, I, I can't imagine that was that was meant to be taken seriously i can't imagine that it's uh it it definitely wasn't supposed to be as humorous as it comes off I can wow. almost guarantee that because the way that they have the fight going and stuff and how they have them like trying to both like puff their chests out. And it's like, ah, you're, you're literally fighting a duck. How how are you losing this? You know? Yeah. Then you got the way before that, you got the classic alleyway sequence where you got a, a woman in distress, Beverly, who's being like, uh, you know, uh, hunted down by these guys who are like, uh, hey, you know what? Oh, yeah. what, what are you running away from us for? You know, it's the classic scene where you know you got the hero to come in and save her. Mm-hmm. But I think she does most of the most of the fighting, right? She does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Howard does nothing basically. Um, or no, he he stands there, um, so he's he's present. <laughs> he stands there mimicking her moves, like right. yeah, yeah, get him, get him. <laughs> he acts as a very oh, good man. cheerleader. <laughs> I gotta say, dude, this this wasn't geared towards kids, was it? No, this was uh, M-rated, or this, yeah. Uh, M-rated. Not M-rated. It was mature-rated. It was... Um, PG-13 or something? I, I'm i trying to think if it was PG-13. I don't, I don't know if this is an R-rated movie. I would say this is a PG-13 movie. Yeah, I don't think it was rated R, but at the same time, I don't think it was PG-13. This might actually be a little bit before they came up with ratings. Oh, man. Because when did this movie uh, come out? This came out in 86. When did the rating system start for movies? That show was way before 86. Yeah, I think I'm so. Not sure, but but at the know, same but time, you know, Ghostbusters is a PG movie and everything like that. So the rating system has changed a lot. So maybe this was PG-13 at the time. The reason I asked is because the the sweatshop scene, like I was like, "What am I watching, dude?" Oh, because yeah. because the lady and this this is actually this is actually a stupid funny scene to me. She was like, uh, "Oh, I'm gonna get you a job. You think you can come up here dressed like a duck trying to scare folks? I'm gonna get you a job." Mm-hmm. I was like, "That lady is very determined." And when she bent over, he was gonna he was gonna bite her butt. And uh, I think she, she 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 turned around and smacked him with the with the papers or something. No, it, she to... like threw the paper and he ended up biting the paper. <laughs> oh right right right, uh, that was weird. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> cut to the the sweatshop. Uh, I, I think it was like I don't, I don't know what this place was. I don't know if it was a it, brothel. It, it was a love spa of some kind. Yeah, it was a love spa. And then my man, uh, he's going around. He's like, uh, uh, you got to clean the toilets and such and such. He's like, I'm not I'm not contracted for that. He says, you're contracted for what I tell you you're contracted for. Now, here's what made me laugh. Like, like, and I think this was actually meant to be funny. Uh, when a guy comes in and I think Howard sets up something where he slips into the uh into the mud thing oh yeah the mud bat yeah he pushes howard into it because previously he threw howard into one of the uh spas and uh the joke of howard can't swim because he's a duck you know it's funny ha 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 very good joke guys and (laughs) (laughs) so his revenge is then throwing him into the uh mud spa (laughs) right right and quitting that was funny 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was funny. I, I laughed at that. But I'm like, this is a whole lot of uh, filler that we just can, can we get back to the plot of what's happening with this duck? Like, oh, God, we're going to go home. That's the thing. Uh, there, There is no plot. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, my man, I recognize that actor because I've always seen him. Jeffrey Jones, uh, his role, Walter Jennings. Homeboy oh, just yeah. gets possessed out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, like, what, what did that happen? Yeah, I like how that all happens off screen. We're just like, yeah, we decided to run the machine again, even though we had no idea what it did. Or and then homeboy gets uh you know what is it the creature takes over his body to live inside of him which is a right. creepy thought and proceeds to then search down Howard at a diner for some reason it's not explained why he cares about Howard but he decides to right. track down Howard at a uh, diner and steals Beverly uh yeah it. it I can say it's such a creepy thing. Uh, the one thing where they had like all the cars parked in front of the truck though. And he like blew them up. And what was it? He said that smog control. And it's like, that was so dumb. And it actually made me crack up. <laughs> what made me crack up was when they're in a the diner and uh, a lot, a lot of stuff is happening. And at some point, Beverly is like, uh, help us. He's like, I'm waiting on my eggs. <laughs> like, 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 I'm waiting for the, di- the lady to serve me my eggs. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this movie has it's just mostly zingers. And whenever they're funny, it's not funny because of the zinger. It's funny because of how bad it is and how somebody was like, oh, this is a good one. This is this is going to be great. <laughs> Dude, I was I was watching that bedroom scene. And I was like, okay, at some point, Beverly's going to say, hey, I'm just joking. But the fact that she actually entertains having yeah. sex with this this duck, I'm like, all right, we, we've gone into the high, we, we've gone into the high uh, stratosphere of Roger Corman, like, corny right now. Like, oh, that, I, I can't handle it. it. Keep in mind, there was also the scene previously in the movie where she's going through his wallet and, and you she see sees the, t- the, the duck now, that condom. That made me laugh. <laughs> That made me laugh because uh, one, because of how small it was. Two, why would you have used? What are ducks just reusing them? I, I have no idea. One, why is the used one in there? That makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> oh yeah, this movie is just oh man. Uh, but yeah, we have to get toward the end of the movie where we finally have the confrontation of what the big problem is, which is the device that can send Howard back was used again and got another alien to the planet that wants to take over. And what was his name? Like Dark Lord of the Universe or something like that? <laughs> I, can, um, I think it was. I forgot what it was called. Yeah, Dark Dark Overlords of the Universe. Dark Overlords of the Universe. Yeah, it's <laughs> stupidest name ever and he's like we gotta run the machine and i'm gonna bring other people back and one of them's gonna inhabit beverly and howard's like no please don't and then he proceeds to fly to the laboratory with the one scientist on like a biplane (laughs) kind of thing which that sequence lasts way too long that whole that whole act lasts too long. Because <laughs> I'm like, at one point, Howard saves the day by doing something. Dude, I I, I kind of blocked this 
a lot of this movie out of my mind. So he kills the monster and then he destroys the beam that can send him back home because it prevents anything else from coming back to Earth. Right. So you got that. And I'm like, okay, end of movie. Sure. No, we got a whole bunch of other stuff we got to cover. I'm like, why? He, He basically just did the main story point. Like, that's the main plot beat. Mission to go home over. He has to stay with the humans now and be friends. That that's it. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. I, I I just I I now this movie is 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 a perfect example of rewrites are necessary. Yes, absolutely. Well, originally this was supposed to be a cartoon, and they decided that making it a cartoon was going to cost too much money, so they decided to go live action with it. I'd be, you know what? I'd be a little less upset if it was a cartoon. Because a lot of stuff I would accept. I would accept Beverly almost sleeping with Howard. I would accept I would accept the Howard condom. I would accept everything if it was cartoonish. <laughs> uh the fact that it went live act the fact they had the balls to go live action, I, I just couldn't. Yeah, this was uh one thing because I can't remember what the full story was, but it basically went that they shopped this around to a couple places for you know, distribution and everything, because this was back when Lucasfilms was just getting started. They didn't have, you know, the Star Wars under their belt, Indiana Jones under the belt and everything, and they couldn't find anybody for it. So they changed it to live action because one of the biggest things was an animated movie of this kind of, you know, size would uh, cost too much and take too long to make. So... Mm they decided to go live action with it and they got picked up like almost right away for it, which man, did universal make a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I heard the three different people that was going to play Howard, uh, you know, it was Martin short, John Cusack and Robin Williams. I don't really see John Cusack unless he's playing an everyday guy. And then I was like, okay, Cusack is an inspired choice. Martin short. Yeah. Yeah. Robin Williams. Definitely. Um, I think Robin quit because he's like, uh, this, this is what they quoted him on. Again, I'm going off Wikipedia, so take that with a grain of salt. He says, uh, I can't do this. It's insane. I can't get the rhythm of this. I'm being confined to the to match the flapping duck's bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's his quote of why he didn't do the movie. He couldn't do it. He is very mad libby, so I could see that as being a problem where they're like, we have a puppeteer that's literally doing the bill movements. <laughs> they can't keep up with him. I could see him being like, I can't do this. It's just, it, I, what, you want me to read the words on the paper? That's not happening. I, I, see, now that makes the opening scene of Miss Doubtfire, that that makes sense now. When he's doing the animated character and he's, he's ad-libbing, Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're like, like, dude, dude, just do what's what's in the script. It's like, I, I got an inspiration. I, 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 I got, I got an ad lib. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's that's who Robin is. You yeah. can't control Robin. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think it's Aladdin. They have basically enough uh, footage of him just ad libbing different scenes that they can make an entirely different movie just focusing on the genie himself. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, that's who he was. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I want to know what else I, I can talk about with this. Uh, yeah, Tim Robbins. I like Tim Robbins. I, I think mm-hmm. Tim Robbins is good in this movie. I just think, see, Tim Robbins has that Jim Carrey like magic energy in this movie, and it works. I just wish the movie was as good 
to match him or to benefit him. Right. I will say his introduction was funny, like legitimately got me a laugh is when, uh, you know, he first sees Howard and he runs out of the room and runs into like this board. Me is like, oh, my God, it's right there. We have the answer of everything. And then everybody's just looking at him. He goes, never mind. It's all good. You know, it's just keep going. He says, never mind. Like, I was like, wow, like he he has the great kind of energy. And right. I think this was like pre like like Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura. I was like, wow, he, he has great energy. Yeah. But the movie sucked. So it's like it, it wasn't like the energy was matched. Or right. Like, like, like benefited. Yeah. He definitely was a good energetic vibe against uh, Howard's very like, you know, I'm I'm just an everyman duck. Leave me alone. Whatever. So the two of them worked kind of well off of each other when see, they were both in their element. <laughs> with, see, now I think this would have been a completely different movie if it was just Phil and Howard. Now, Beverly is cool. I think Beverly will work as a side character along the way, and they kind of both vied for Beverly's affection. That would be a funny kind of like plot line. But I think when you got Howard and Beverly together more than you got Howard and Phil, I, I think that kind of... That didn't work to the film's benefit because I like how Howard's talking with Phil at the um, at the rock concert and uh, and Phil is like, uh, I got it, I, Eureka, I got the new idea. I was like, get away from me, you schmuck! Mm-hmm. And, you know, Howard makes one motion like he's gonna backslap him. <laughs> I'm like, I like their dynamic. Like, I thought they were fun together. Yeah, but I mean, if it was only Howard and Phil, where would we get the sexual tension? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe i don't know i i I don't think the tension was needed i i think we can throw the tension out the window are you sure it was a very important subplot to the movie they focused on it a lot i love the stupid excuse they give when they at first of all how these people just get in their house like these these people just come in beverly's house and they remove the curtain oh yeah Beverly's, beverly's sitting in the bed with howard and uh howard's like we're just friends she's like yeah i was like really y'all gonna go with that dumb kind of like moment like oh we're just friends like really not only that but they just went into her house door was unlocked exactly like you didn't knock or anything (laughs) yeah that was just wild to me um i I think i i I think i'm all set on this one man so this this, i'll be fair because of tim robbins uh this is a two out of five Oh, oh, you're being fair, huh? I mean, it. you're going to make all, me be the dick, huh? <laughs> for all of his absurdity, it did hold my attention. For all of his absurdity, it held my attention. I This isn't jujitsu to me. You know, I, it, it held my attention. <laughs> I'll say that. It held your attention, but you can't tell me what the plot of this movie was. <laughs> no, it's simple. A duck gets uh, transported to uh, to our universe. He has to get back to our universe. He falls in love with a rocker. Uh, there's this government that's coming after him, trying to stop him. The government guy does something stupid uh, that causes one of the uh, overlords to kind of possess him. And uh, he messes up. He gets rid of the overlord and gets rid of his chance of going back to Earth. And so he becomes friends with us. <laughs> Are you smarter than a fifth grader, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's the plot. I, you know. It just takes a long way to get there. Right. Uh, how long was this movie? It's like two hours, isn't it? 
about, I want to say about, it's about, and I was surprised at the length. It's 111 minutes. This oh. movie could have been 90 minutes. Oh, it, it could have been, you know. It could have been 20 minutes, actually. I, I was going to say, you could probably bust this down to about 40 minutes. <laughs> you could, this movie could have done with a good edit of oh. 90 minutes, dude. Uh, 90 minutes taken away. Right. Because I feel this way, and I know you love that movie. I feel this way the same way I felt about Nightmare Before Christmas. This could have been a half-hour special, and I would have been all right with it. See, the difference is Nightmare Before Christmas is actually a great movie. <laughs> it has great moments. <laughs> uh, it's great looking. I'll give it that. It's great looking. Uh, but when it comes to Howard the Duck, uh, th- this is a one out of five to me. Uh, one. Yeah, it it has yes, Tim Robbins is good in it. Uh but one good actor that's has about 10 minutes of screen time in 2 hours of a movie does not make a good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I Woo. Yeah, this, this was this was whack, man. Yep. But uh, uh that does bring us to the second movie that we have, assuming you don't have anything else to say about Howard the Duck. Uh, no, I, 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 I wrapped up everything. Okay. So that brings us to, uh, the movie. Wait, just to confirm, you, you got nothing else to say about it? No, I have absolutely nothing else to, no, wait. You sure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, wait. Yeah, yeah, nothing else. Nothing else. All I'm right, good. All right, all right. I think we can move on from that disaster. <laughs> All right, absolutely. All right, so. So that brings us to the second movie, uh, another Lucasfilm, this time directed by Ron Howard. Uh, we have Willow, which takes place in a magical fantasy world where we follow the story of a uh, Willow who comes across a human child. Willow, I'm trying to remember, what do they call him? Uh, Nelwyn. The Nelwyn people. So, they're kind of like uh, dwarves in uh, this mystical world. And so, Willow comes across a human child and decides to raise it until the village is attacked by a queen who is trying to find this child to kill it because this is the child that can end her reign of terror. So Willow then decides to bring the child to somewhere where it can be safe and keep his village safe, where he runs across a cavalcade of characters to join him on his quest to find Mm -hmm. a safe place for this child. That is the bare bones description of this movie. And listen, um, I gotta tell you, dude, I, I you, you gotta th- you gotta go through hell to get to heaven uh, sometimes. And I feel like going through Howard and then watching Willow. I was like, you know what? This is such this is such a breath of fresh air. I was close to giving this movie a five out of five just <laughs> off the first opening frame. <laughs> compared to what I just saw beforehand. I was like, you know what? I don't even need to watch this, man. This, this is a five out of five. Because coming off what I just saw uh, uh, a few minutes ago, this, this is way better. But um, I'm going to have to remember that tactic. I'm just going to put Howard the Duck up against other movies I want you to like. <laughs> we, what, you watch Howard the Duck with Matrix 4. You go, you know what? Maybe this film wasn't so bad. <laughs> Matrix 4 was actually pretty solid. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no <laughs> um but look man willow dude um 
I gotta say, when the, when the, um, this is my first time seeing this film. I had always heard about it. I think you told me about it at one point when you announced that the new series was coming, and uh, I think we spoke about Warwick Davis at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I uh, I saw this film. This was for the this is my first time watching this film, and dude, I really liked it, man. I liked the the co- the token esque um, feel of the world and the characters. I like the interaction between the characters. I feel like um, when we start off, I think Warwick just has like a great warmth to him as uh, as Willow. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, um, yeah. you know, with, with him, um, he's a father. He has kids. He has a loving wife. He's a guy you want to root for. He's like he's like a Bilbo Baggins kind of, you know, with the family. Right. And, he's kind of um, the underdog in this uh, village that he lives in where he's like the every man he has to deal with, you know, the same taxes as everybody else. He's a farmer, so he has to deal with everything with that. So he's he's a standard guy. Yeah, and when they uh when they come across the baby, at first Willow was like, uh, hey, uh, you know, that's bad luck. We we can't have that baby. And then his kids are like, but dad, you know, uh, you know, she, she, she's so cute and all that. And, you know, Willow, of course, you know, Willow's going to come around like, all right, all right, you mm-hmm. know, we'll, we'll take the baby in. You know, um, he's a guy you like. He's relatable. He, he uh, Warwick just brings you in and you, you, you instantly like him. Oh, now, yeah. when, the, when the story gets told with, um, you know, the, the, the creatures coming um that they, they were at some fair where he was talking to some sorcerer and, and the sorcerer gave him a test like uh which finger has the magic willow fails the test as well as other people and then he tells willow later on like 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 be honest with me what would you have really done or what was your first choice you you hesitated to choose what was your first choice right and then willow's like well i would have would have used my own finger he says now you're thinking like a sorcerer so the, the the film is building up that something bigger is destined for Willow, as the as the story should, mm-hmm. um, and I like that. I, I I feel like this film it shows uh, Ron Howard's skills of like crafting a great adventure film. Like I don't feel like that man gets enough flowers, as popular oh, yeah. as he is. Like Howard just Ron Howard just knows how to tell a story, um, but I I like how you're instantly rooting for it and, and, and in touch with the character as the as the film starts off. And as they go on their journey, because the fellow dwarfs, they're like, uh, let's just ditch the baby. You know, she's bringing more harm than good. And, you know, and Willow's like, I, I, I got a, I got a mission here, man. I don't want to leave the baby. So, you know, at some point they come across uh, Val Kilmer, uh, Val Kilmer's mm-hmm. character, who is uh, a mercenary in a, in, in a cage. He's caged up. And he's like, yo, let me free. I'll take care of the baby. I, I won't let anything happen to it. Now, Naturally, they're like, dude, I don't know. We couldn't leave a baby with this guy. Well, but, you got to you know. keep in mind, uh, his character is being an absolute dick to, you know, the uh, Nelwins that are with uh, Willow at the time as well. So yeah. it, you had to keep in mind, they're literally coming upon a guy in a cage that's making fun of them for being Nelwins and going, no, no, give me the baby. Free me and give me the baby. I'll take care of it. He's basically right, just right, trying right. to get him to open the cage. And eventually they do let him out of the cage and everything. And he, you know, takes the baby and is like, I promise I'll take care of it. I'll do everything that I can. Right. And then um, speak about you only had one job. Uh, right. Freaking, uh, <laughs> a, a freaking bird comes by and grabs the baby. He goes like, I stole the baby. <laughs> I stole the baby. And it's like, 
you see Willow like, what the, that, that's my baby, you know. Um, so he runs after the baby, and this is where he comes into the uh, the little, little, little people. Uh, what were they called? What were they? They were Hold called find, uh, brownies. brownies. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, they he comes across the brownies um, who are also tasked uh, from the, uh, the the queen. Uh, I forgot what her name is. I forgot a lot of the characters' names, but I know what happened. Like there was a character, there was a queen that says, uh, uh, "We are destined to look after this baby," and. Um, this baby chose you, Willow, to be its guardian, uh, Alora. They chose to look after Alora, the baby, and Alora chose you, Willow, to be its guardian. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of where the crew gets. This is kind of where the uh, the Hobbit crew kind of comes together. I, I'm going to make a lot of token references because I think this is highly influenced by Tolkien. Yeah, I believe I mean, so. I, mean, I, I th- think there was some heavy influence from the Lord of the Rings with the like medieval themes <clears throat> and the different kinds of uh, you know races of people and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if we're wrong, let us know. But like, I, I I see a lot of Tolkien this stuff in here, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think this is something Tolkien esque influence that comes off very well done. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I even love the dynamic between uh, Mad Mardigan and um, and Sorsha. You know, Sorsha is a a daughter to the uh, evil queen, and uh, you know she she follows her mother's word. The mother wants the baby dead. And so she follows her word, but you know you could tell she has a conscience, and you know you mm. could tell when she meets Mad Mardigan. It starts off as a hate love relationship. It starts off with hate. They both hate each other. Um, well, they're on Mad- opposite teams at that point. Of course, yeah. And then Mad Mardigan gets the the love potion from the brownies, and I love how he he walks up to her when she's sleeping, like, uh, "Oh, I love you. You're, you're the love of my life. I, my whole life has been destined for you." And she's yeah. starting to kill. She's starting to kill him, like. I, I will slice your throat. He says, I'll take a thousand stabs if, if, if sacrifice for your love. I'm like, what woman wouldn't fall to hear something right. like that? From you Val know? Kilmer. <laughs> right. From Val Kilmer. Right. This, this, this is 80s Val Kilmer. You know what I'm saying? What, what woman wouldn't fall and go, oh, and hearing Val Kilmer say that? Man. Right. Because you see her pause a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love their dynamic, dude. I love the the brownies are funny. You got you got Rick Overton and uh, Kevin Pollock. Um, I just love their like little commentary on everything. Oh yeah, because they literally basically are traveling in uh, the hood of Willow's jacket most of the movie, where they're basically just you know the angel and devil on his shoulders for decisions throughout the movie. And I like when they even get left behind at one point. They're like, it would take us ages to find them. Well, it would take us ages to get back home. I didn't say we were going back home. Let's go. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I I love that. And uh, <laughs> I don't, this shouldn't have tickled me as much as it did, but it did. I like when they meet Finn Raziel, um, the sorceress that's like now a possum. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, I got turned into a possum, right? I'm a beautiful young woman underneath this. Val Kimber's like, okay, we should help her out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, let's help her out. Um and you know, I like how when Willow tries to do it, and he, no, 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 she asks him, "Okay, you must turn me at once." And Willow's like, "I don't, I don't know how to turn you." She's like, "You're not a sorcerer." She's like, "No, I was just put on this mission to, to save the baby." Right. And so I like how each time he tries, she gets turned into another animal. Yeah, because after that, she gets turned into like a crow. <laughs> 
right. It was a crow, then it was a goat, and then it was her natural self, right? Uh, yeah, then it was like a bunch of animals she kind of morphed into, and then finally herself. Yeah, I like that, man. Um, I, I like the colorful characters we have here, man. I think this is just a very fun movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the cast definitely brings this one together because you have... It, like the Hobbit, uh, like Dark Crystal, like the Labyrinth, you just have such like a great mystical world of different people and everything like that that the world does suck you in. Yeah, I totally agree. Another thing I love about this movie is the action. Like the action is pretty well done for its time. Oh yeah. So it, some of the action scenes you have some. It's sketchy green screen and everything like that, but it's fine for this movie and mm-hmm. it still keeps you engulfed in it. Uh, there's a couple times where it's like, okay, they, they were probably, you know, budget constrained and some of these scenes and everything, but it's such a great kind of like adventure movie that you can put that kind of stuff aside because you really get into it where like the brownies are fighting people and you're like yeah you can kind of see the green screen effect because they literally just shrunk them down and everything but they kind of they do a really good job making them feel like they're kind of a part of this world even with the technology barriers they had at the time yeah yeah absolutely and I love the final I love the climax too like I love how and this is where I, this film has a has an element of darkness, but I like the element of darkness it presents. Where the evil queen, uh, you know, she's like, uh, it's like, oh, you, you guys aren't gonna fight me. You're all pigs. She literally turns everybody oh, yeah. to pigs, and I was like, I was like, wow. She even turned her own daughter into a pig. You see the brownies turning to pigs, which I don't, I don't know how that would go. The brownies, they. they why you just leave them they, as brownies? They, they, <laughs> they were doing very anything. very tiny pigs. <laughs> Right, like they can't do anything anyway. Right, but um, yeah, you know, I uh, I like that scene, and I really like the whole final like 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 showdown. I thought that was I thought that was pretty well laid out action wise. Yeah, well, even when they're in the castle and everything like that, uh, going up against that two headed beast, uh, where was that? It, it was in the castle where they were like, "We have safety here," and then they got there and found out the army was completely turned to stone by uh, trolls. So I know what you're talking about, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in that entire like fight sequence where they're kind of going up and down the castle and everything like that, that was really well done. Uh, I really like that part. Even like the claymation 3D modeled kind of dragon thing. Uh it was ugly enough to like fit in this world while also having that different kind of animation style to it that mm. it, it was like, okay, I can see it. Like this is there's such a varying degree of like how everything is stylized in this movie that it doesn't feel too off-putting in a normal situation where it definitely would like stick out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I think it's very well constructed. The final showdown between him and the witch, uh, between well, I'm, uh, queen, witch, whatever the main the main villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how Willow was like, uh, you know, I'm gonna take her to a place uh, where she'll have safety and no danger. That's impossible. So he makes a he makes a spell and she disappears. And he's mm-hmm. like, she's like, no. And then, you know, she ends up getting killed. Uh, and then I like when they go to Willow and say, what? Well, where'd you put her? Oh, I, it was just my old pig trick. And, and he had oh, a yeah. bundle or something. And I was like, uh, see, that's the I know that's of that era, the 80s era. But that's a like final ending punchline that makes me smile. Right. You know. 
And for the people that haven't seen the movie, uh, the pig trick is at the beginning of the movie before, you know, Willow leaves and everything, he's performing, you know, magic tricks by, you know, making a dove appear and not using in-world magic, but by using like sleight of hand trickery and everything. And one of them is where he makes a pig disappear by, you know, hiding it under the table while making it seem like it disappeared. So that's what he does with the bait is makes it appear that it disappeared but it's really just hidden away right underneath where you can see Mm -hmm. yeah man uh yeah this whole film just uh is great dude it just it just just makes me smile it puts a smile on my face i think it's a great adventure film uh when i have kids i'll probably show this to them uh yeah dude this is a i don't know if i'm gonna give it a straight five but i'll say this is a solid four out of five I agree. This is a four out of five wholeheartedly. Uh, everything about the adventure is great. The you know props and everything, the sets that they used are amazing. Uh, yeah. You have Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer as two of the leads of this movie. You can't go wrong with that. That is a perfect duo right there. Uh, you know, it's the actual themes of this movie. There is actual tension with different scenes. The action scenes pick up it's it's a really good movie and yeah it definitely deserves a four out of five 100 percent. but uh I, I think their goal with it was kind of missed a little bit with trying to make this like the next star wars but this has a fan base out there a very dedicated fan base and you can tell why i i think this was a film where um you know it, it's it's ambition uh was a little too large at the time but nowadays you could you could see the ambition coming forth nowadays when you, when you have something that has a strong of a fan base we, we've seen revivals of everything right we've mm-hmm. seen uh, a twin Peaks season three we've seen murphy brown come back on tv roseanne uh now the connors like you a revival is possible when you have a strong enough fan base right and this one definitely did and i i'm very curious to see where the tv series goes with it but uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, I know that it's definitely one I'll be checking out in the future because I remembered seeing this one back in the day, and, you know, being like, OK, and it's it's still holding up. Uh, it still has oh, that yeah. same tone oh, yeah. as like, you know, uh, the labyrinth, dark crystal it, where it's like, OK, it was a product of its time that did very well in creating that kind of mythical kind of area and if lord of the rings had come out during this time instead of later in like 2001 when the technology was up to par i I, this basically is what lord of the rings probably would have looked like yeah yeah they they definitely had a good you know budget to it that uh they had the freedom to make it very you know engulfing into its world I completely agree, man. Um, all right, so I mean, I mean, we kind of said it without saying it. Uh, Willow is the winner here. Uh, yeah, wholeheartedly, uh, Willow Listen, definitely wins. <laughs> I knew Willow would win based off the first scene alone, bro. I, I just, <laughs> and, and I mean that both ways. The first scene of Howard the Duck and the first scene of Willow. I mean, it, it's it's just it's not apples and oranges here. Like when Willow told the whole prologue story of how the baby got to where Willow was at, I'm like, okay, this is automatically better than Howard the Duck. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just no competition. 
basically you were watching Howard the Duck and went, is that a duck taking a bath? You know what? No, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And with Willow, you were like, oh, yeah, they're going to send the baby down the river. That makes sense. Let's do this. It was the duck taking a bath. It was the duck itself. It was everything. (laughs) And then you had the narration that never came back. Yes. uh, This is the dawn of man. I I forgot about that. Yeah. The fact you forgot about it says everything. It just that narrator just shows up and never comes back. <laughs> oh man. All right, man. We're gonna transition over to uh after show topics. Okay. Dude, since you and I last spoke, man, I uh I pulled a double feature one day and I saw uh Tar and Triangle of Sadness. Okay. And how did uh Tar end up being? Was it worth the twenty year wait? Oh, oh, <laughs> now, now, mind you, it didn't take him 20 years to make the movie. Oh, I he know. Just took, he, he just, OK, he, he right, was I, just, I, you know, on hiatus for about 20 years. Right. Oh, uh, dude, um, I can't stress this enough. Uh, five out of five. Really? It's just a terrific film, dude. Um, Kate Blanchett just owns it in the leading role. And the best way I can describe it to you, because I don't even think I can give you spoilers because it's it's really a film that's about a journey. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it it may when you hear a lot of musical jargon because the main character is a, is a um she she's 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 a leader of an orchestra and she's a well known figure within that world. The musical jargon might throw you off a little bit, but as you delve more into this character's life within the first thirty minutes, you, you're immediately hooked. Um, it's really about a fall from grace. You know, it's, it's it's about a fall from grace. It brings in cancel culture a little bit. It brings in judgment. It brings in running from your past. There's so many deep, potent themes in this film that 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 uh gets that gets talked about within its three hour runtime. Well, near near three hour runtime. That mm. uh, it makes it a strong film, dude. It, it's a strong best picture contender. Kate Blanchett, like I said, she's amazing. She's a strong best actress contender. Uh, yeah, Todd Field, man. Every time he goes away for a while and comes back, he always kills it. And th- this film is no exception. Okay. I'm going to have to check that one out. And what was the second one that you saw? Triangle of Sadness. Now, this I don't think I've be... heard of that one. No, you, you have. Remember, it was the cruise ship with Woody Harrelson. Oh, um, yes. Okay. I know what you're yeah. talking about now. From the title, I was like, oh, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So this movie, um, this movie was pretty long too. So this movie deals with a cruise ship, and the cruise ship is full of like rich people, influencers, and stuff. Uh, long story short, things go wrong, and that takes up the bulk of the film. And in the last, the last third of the film is about the aftermath and things of that nature. The whole thing is like a satire. It, it's a comedy. Um, I would give it a solid. I think taking it all in. From its craft, the way it's made, to the way it plays its jokes out. Um, it's a solid four out of five. It's a solid four out of five. I really liked it. Um, it I, I would say it's kind of not for everybody because it's cringe comedy. Oh, okay. You know, it's, it's good comedy, but it's cringe comedy. And I think the director, Ruben Oslin, I think that's his name. He kind of he excels at that. That's kind of like his main thing with each of his last three movies including this one he he excels at cringe comedy so that's what this film is and it's a satire and it's a it's a brutal send-up of the rich and glamorous 
you know, there's a point being made here. Um, Its ending is a bit ambiguous. It's a good ambiguous, but it's a bit ambiguous. But I I, I liked it. I, I liked it. Okay. That's kind of good. Uh, I can get behind some of those like cringe comedy kind of things. Uh, but at the same time, I understand when people are like, yeah, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you got you got to like cringe comedy to like this movie. Yeah, I might have to check that one out for sure, because uh, especially if it has that kind of like tone to it, I think I can get behind that 100 percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my long day at the movies. Uh, took quite a little bit of bladder control, uh, but uh, I, I I enjoyed myself, man. I enjoyed the little little double feature I did for myself. I I haven't done that in a long time. Oh yeah. See, that's one thing that I kind of miss about movies is being able to like time out everything to be like, oh yeah, I'll do this, you know, at this time, and then I'll just hop into this theater at this time. And now it's like. Oh, there's a two-hour gap between the two movies I want to see. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to hang around the movie theater for two hours waiting for it. And then it becomes, well, in that two hours, I could just go home. But if I go home, I'm not coming back to, you know, go see another movie. Right, right. The best thing about my experience was uh, where I went was kind of at a mall. And the mall had a Cinnabon. And uh, I just happened to have a Spectrum bag uh, in my car. So... I just put the Cinnabon bag in a Spectrum bag and I just carried it, showed my ticket to the guy. He's like, mm. uh, have a good day, sir. You know, like, no comment. All right. I'm going into the theater with my Cinnabon. <laughs> you, know, right. you literally probably could have been holding the Cinnabon while going, here's my ticket. And they'd be like, okay, sir, have a good time. Dude, I, they wouldn't I have cared. Be, I could be holding a bottle of water and they're just like, because uh, I always hold my cup of water. There could be Hennessy in there. They're like, have a good day, sir. Maybe once in a while, opening night, they'd be like, can I see your ID? They look at it without looking at it. All right, have a good day, sir. Uh, oh, funny story about that. Because A-list, like, they ask to see your ID and everything like that sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, it's sometimes. Rare, yeah. There was one time they actually asked me for it, and I didn't have my ID on me because I had left it in my car. So I literally just flashed my wallet where it would normally be. (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't say anything. And they just let me through still. (laughs) I was like, this is the best crowd control ever. I don't even know if they realized I didn't have my ID in the hole. They just looked at the wallet and went, yeah, that's... What were they looking at? I don't know. He, like, looked up, stared for a minute, and went, yep, you're good. (laughs) Did it have your face on it, what they were looking at? No. No, it was just a blank kind of, You know how in your wallet you have like that clear pocket that you put your ID into? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was that, but it was empty. <laughs> oh, wow, there was nothing in there. There was nothing in there. You could see the leather on the other side. And I literally flat. And I don't know if it was like there was a glare on the screen. They were just like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm not going to, you know, detective mode this shit. Or if he just saw there was no ID, it was like, I'm not paid enough to care. <laughs> They don't care, man. And I, I get it. Uh, they just like, they don't care. They're like, um, all right, yeah, sure, you're fine. Just just come on in. Uh, I, yeah, I, I've ran into that multiple times. Like, I didn't have my ID with me. I accidentally left it at home, but I had my student ID. But I was like, okay, you know what? Worst come to worst, <laughs> and they actually do ask me. Like, the one time out of ten times they, they don't ask me. 
I'll uh, I'll just show my student ID, and I I, I bet you they're gonna be like, all right, come on. Yeah, I, the fact that I could show them a blank wallet, I, I think you'd get fine with a student ID. <laughs> I'd be overdoing it with yeah, a student yeah, ID. You're, you're putting in too much effort. <laughs> oh wow, that's funny. That's really hilarious. Um, yeah, man, I want to. Uh, so we got breaking news here. We got breaking film. We got breaking TV news, really. Now, I, I don't watch this show, but when my wife heard, she was like, no. So do you watch The Witcher? Uh, I do. And I also heard this news. Uh, this is something that I'm kind of conflicted on as well. Yeah. So basically, Henry Cavill uh, has already shot his scenes for season three. So he's going to be in season three. But people assume because he's taking up the Superman mantle again. Season four, he's going to pass the torch of his role on to Liam Hemsworth. Well, it uh, already is confirmed that he is. So he did say that he's passing the torch on to Liam Hemsworth. And the guess is it's because he's taking back the uh, role of Superman in the future right. DC movies. But that part hasn't been confirmed. He basically just said that he's passing the torch on to Liam Hemsworth to take over the role. And mm-hmm. that's about it. Yeah, so that's happening. So, like I said, I, I don't watch the show, so I, I didn't really have much of an opinion. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, but, you know, my wife and many other people on social media was like, no, not not him. Or, 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 or it, it, was, it was between not him and it was between why, Henry? Like, like, yeah. like, like, like you're, you're great in the role. Why? Yeah, um, I don't think anybody is yeah. upset that Liam Hemsworth so is taking it over. I think most people are upset that oh, Henry Cavill me, is leaving. Are. Oh, really? Some people are, yeah. They're like, why him? Like, you can't just trade. Like, some people are like, you can't trade one hot guy for another hot guy and think, okay, problem solved. Like, come on. What, what were they expecting? Like the, Henry Cavill to go and they'd be like, and introducing the new Witcher, Danny DeVito. You know, like. Do <laughs> you think Liam can carry the role? I think he's a fine actor. I think he can do it. Um, I've just seen him in Hunger Games, so I, I, I can't speak to that. Yeah, I think he's fine. I don't think there's any issue with him taking over the role. It's just more, I don't want to see Henry Cavill stop being, <laughs> you know, taking over the yeah, that's, role that's of Gerald. You know, yeah, that's the main thing. It's, it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like Breaking Bad. If Walter White, I mean, if Brian Cranston out of nowhere says... Yeah, so they're bringing me back in to play, uh, you know, Green Lantern, uh, the, the the old version. So I'm going to bring Matthew Broderick in to play Walter White. It should work. I'm like, right. what? No, we started with Brian Cranston. Like, right. You know what I mean? So I understand why people get upset. I understand why people are upset from that standpoint. Well, also in other kind of news, speaking on kind of like superhero stuff, uh, Harrison Ford is confirmed to be coming as Thaddeus Ross aka red hulk for the future because the i'm trying to remember who was playing him before but yeah when he passed away william uh, hurt yes william hurt passed away great actor yes and uh yeah harrison ford is taking over that role for the future films in which thaddeus ross will be present uh yay the question mark (laughs) i I told you, man. I, I've been I've been marveled out a long time ago. Like uh, I was when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." You know, Harrison Ford. So, so he's a Hulk. 
Uh, so he is the general of like the army in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, in the comics, he does later turn into the Red Hulk. Can you see Harrison Ford turning into Red Hulk? Uh, yes, and I want to see it on screen. <laughs> I mean, he's already doing that new Indiana Jones, so you know he he's he still got the fight in him. I'm kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah, it, Harrison Ford, his is a weird one because it, at some point it was like, it felt like he wanted to retire from everything, and then all of a sudden he came back yeah. and he realized like how much he loves acting again because he came back for Star Wars, he came back for Indiana Jones that's coming up soon, and now he's cast as uh, you know Thaddeus Ross in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's like, okay, well, I'm glad he's coming back. I liked him as an actor. He's really good. But at the same time, it was like, we went so long without really seeing him in anything that his return is just kind of very sudden. Well, well he's a fine actor. So I, I would never say I don't want to see Harrison Ford on screen. Right. Um, just like Michael Douglas. I'm not a big Ant-Man fan, but I don't mind seeing him in those movies. I like Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know, man. I'm kind of just whatever on it. I'm like, all right, fine. You bring bring them all back, you know. Bring them all back, you know. Get Clint Eastwood to, I don't know. Bring 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 them into something, right? Yeah. Or something, you know. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. Um, like I said, I'm so marveled out that the only thing I'm looking forward to is BP two. Outside of that, you know, Ant Man is cool, but I never really watched the Ant Man movie, so. I don't really care about the quantum mania thing that much, but yeah, I'm kind of marveled out, man. Okay. Oh, so you're not excited for the holiday special for guardians of the galaxy. I might tune in, but then I'll feel like, well, well how can I watch this? And I haven't seen Hawkeye or she Hulk or the rest of them. Like, oh, it, I, it's going to not be tied into any of that. You'll be fine. I know you say that, but the completionist in me will be like, you're breaking your own rules. I'm like, I, I might still watch it, man. I I told you I wasn't that big of a fan of Guardians 2. It, it felt like the same movie to me. Uh, the holiday special feels like it's just going to be a very campy, holiday-themed kind of you know adventure uh, mm-hmm. featuring Drax and Mantis coming to Earth. I feel like you really want me to watch this movie. Yeah, are, just, are, you, are, are you asking me to watch this movie? I can honestly say I'm probably more excited about that than I am for anything else Marvel has coming right now. <laughs> Um, yeah. And that's even yeah. counting like things like Black Panther in a couple weeks, which I really I, I can't wait to see that. But at the same time, like the Guardians holiday special is like, oh, my God, I can't. I need it. <laughs> well, James Gunn is your guy. So I so I completely yeah. understand. Um, Yeah, I mean, that looks interesting. The werewolf by night looks interesting. I think I might check that out one of these. That days. one was it's very just, good. I even if I finally saw it. Oh, yeah. Uh, that one was very good because it's it doesn't really have ties to the MCU while still being in the MCU. Uh, there's very few references to it, but it it definitely has its own like standalone vibe to it, the same way that like Moonlight Moon Knight did. And if you don't care for the MCU at all, but you love like old campy horror style movies and everything like that, like black and white horror style. Uh, this is a great homage to that kind of era of films. So what would you give it out of five? Uh, oh, I'd give it a 4.5 out of five. 
Okay. I really liked it. All right, that's worth taking into consideration. I, like I said, I might, um, I am going to check it out one day. I've just kind of just taken my my sweet time with some of this stuff. Um, here's another thing. It's kind of old by now, but it's kind of still happening. This Kanye West Fallout thing is crazy. Oh my god, yes. The fact that, well. <laughs> With everything that he's doing and everything, he gets dropped by Adidas. I love that his first instinct was, I should go to Reebok, you know, the company with uh, Jewish CEOs. Skechers. Skechers, that's it, yes. Uh, Dude, and not only that you had Jewish people in charge over there, it's like, dude, to, to get shunned by Skechers, but you, you really need you really need time to recalibrate your strategy. Right. Like, uh, I also love what I think is possibly the greatest headline of all time. Uh, Goodwill is no longer accepting any Kanye merchandise for donations. Is that is is that an onion headline or is no, that true? That's a real headline. <laughs> they won't even accept your stuff at the Goodwill. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, if I had a niece or nephew that really loved Yeezy shoes, I'd be like, you know what? I don't have to. I don't have to spend anything on Christmas money this year. I'd right. Buy somebody that's just willing to give them away for nothing. Grab them and just send them off to them. Well, if I want to say that their value has like skyrocketed because of this, because there's no more mm. coming now. So you got to keep in mind, shoe collectors. They care more about right, right, value right. than they do the shoes. So when all of a sudden this is the end of the line for it, that entire line becomes worth more. Okay, that that makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, man, it's like you know, um, I, I see all this happening, and there's a deeper conversation to be had from within the black community of of Kanye's fall too. But just to generalize it, just for the double feature versus audience. You see all this happening in real time, and you're like, dude, how did we not see this happening years ago? Like, Kanye has always been a reckless person that says things for controversy. He's always been this dude. And now people are shocked that that this fall is coming to him right now. I'm like, I, I think this is like four years too late. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's an old bit by uh, Bill Burr that's starting to resurface where, you know, he's talking about Kanye and going, he's absolutely out of his mind listen to anything he says take it out of the fact that kanye is the person saying it just imagine anybody else saying exactly the things kanye is saying close your eyes and listen to it and you'd be like we gotta get this person in a psych ward tonight you know right. and that's back when he was like i'm a god you know my only regret is i'll never be able to see myself perform you know like <laughs> That's such a Kanye thing to say when you think about it, though. Th- those are real things he said. <laughs> listen, man, I said this. I said this. I said this to uh, my family. I said, "Listen, man, um, Kanye is one of those people that he says outlandish things like slavery sounds like a choice, four hundred years of slavery sounds like a choice, but when he drops a fire album, everybody gets amnesia." Yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah, he did say that. Hey, did you check out this new album though? Mm-hmm. Like, like that's that, that that's what would happen, and um, dude, I wish somebody they probably already done it. Like, I want to see a Kirby, you know, you know the Kirby enthusiasm theme song. Oh yeah, the dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right. I want to see one where he's like, uh, he's on Drink Champs. You know that podcast, Drink Champs? Yeah. Where a lot of him. Okay, he's on there. He's like, uh, 
oh, I, I can say anti-Semitic things and, uh, and and Adidas won't even drop me. And then they and then they show the headline of Adidas drops Yeezys and oh, you go, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I guarantee somebody already made it. It's it's been how long since that happened? It's it's been done. <laughs> it's a matter yeah. of just finding it. <laughs> Yeah, but all of this is just crazy, dude. And it kind of goes in hand with the film I saw, Tar, uh, where you just, and again, I'm not really ruining anything, but it's just that fall from grace where it's like you get dropped by the agency, your lawyer. the His own label got dropped by Def Jam, the good music label. It's like everything's getting dropped. And you're mm-hmm. like, and he's going, well, this is what I wanted to happen. Uh, I, I wanted to be canceled. It's like, dude, I don't think you have a master plan here, man. I I think you just need to. Well, you ended up been... saying something too far, not realizing that you actually had a limit, and now you're trying to save face by saying, "Well, this is what I wanted in the end anyway." But but that's the thing. What he said was horrible. He's been saying horrible things towards his own community before that, right? But I just think our community. I don't want to say we weren't strong enough, but we just weren't on code enough to stop supporting him. Yeah, it's, I, I, that, that's my take on it from, from our community. But yeah. Yeah, it's one of those um, things where... And when I say our community, I mean the black community, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely something strange to like watch happen where you see somebody that has been so full of themselves for so long... You know, finally hit that mm-hmm. one note that where everything collapsed, and you're just like, "Wow!" So that's where the line is. Okay, let me just jot that down because apparently that's where the stopping point of crazy is. <laughs> yeah, and I remember I, I remember asking somebody on, on I think it was on Discord or something. I was like, "Do y'all do y'all think Kanye's done?" And somebody's like, "Well, he's always going to have his loyal fans. He's always going to be performing music or making music." Because uh, I admit it, man, when it comes to music, he he is a genius. He, he mm-hmm. He's great with music. Uh, but I feel like as far as like becoming that number one guy that's known in hip hop, along with the Diddy's and the Jay-Z's, I think that might be done as far as like being like being like totally popular, like even pop, more popular than a Drake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think in terms of like it, he hit the high of his career, I don't think he's going to bounce back from that he'll always be around but he's never gonna be the number one best-selling album you know three times in a row again mm-hmm. and that's sad that's sad uh he brought himself there but it's sad that so much talent just just brought down to that like amount of like fall for grace right all right well, um, that wraps up the show. You got anything else you want to add? Uh, nothing else I can think of. All right, y'all. Follow us. Uh, you can follow me on um, Twitter at Black, Cin- uh, Black Cinephile. You can follow Brad at uh, Brad Rosner. You can find our written reviews. You can find my reviews for Tar and Triangle of Sadness coming soon on 8bitwaffles.com. Um, that's it. Like, share, and subscribe. Uh, don't stop watching movies. And uh, we're out of here. <laughs>